Today, Pastor Ray Bentley with insights on the meaning of the transfiguration. Jesus came more than to be merely an example of a super abundant life. He says, I want to personally come inside of you and I want to let my glory transform you, same word, transfigure you and conform you into the image of Christ himself. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Before the dazzling special effects of Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, before the surprising illusions of David Copperfield or Harry Houdini, there was a spectacle even more overwhelming because it wasn't magic or manipulation, it was the Messiah. Today, we look at the Transfiguration. We are going to the, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. This is an extraordinary study tonight. And I believe that we are living in some very amazing days. And I have never been more excited in my life than to be a, a child of God living at this unique moment in time. And there, there are places in the Bible where it says, and then suddenly where God divinely intervenes into history and to the affairs of men. And there's so many things that are going on in the world uh, right now. And how many would agree this world needs Jesus and more of Jesus? Desperately. I feel that, you know, in, the, in Genesis where it said uh, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering, the, the word there is almost like the vibration of wings, like angels' wings. And then all of a sudden, bam, God started creating and speaking and things started to happen. And um, that's the feeling I get. There's, you know, on the one hand we can, yes, we look at the prophecy and we see all these signs happening. It's like, you know, when I was a kid and we're, we're going to Disneyland and, and you're looking at the signs and how far is it? You know, from San Diego to LA as an adult is not that far. But when you were a kid and, and it's two hours, it was like, are we ever gonna get to Disneyland? So you're looking at the signs, this many miles, that many miles, and suddenly, you know, you get a sign, it's only, you know, 10 miles out. And all of a sudden, me and my brothers, you know, we, we would get all excited, our eyes would get really big, and then all of a sudden, my dad would say, there's the Matterhorn, Woohoo! you know. Well, that's, that's what it feels like now. We have all these signs, and, and they're all saying, we are a right, and we're not just going to Disneyland, the kingdom, the real kingdom. Yeah of all kingdoms is coming. And we've been on a 2,000 hour bus ride, <laughs> 2,000 mile, 2,000 year bus ride. And now all of a sudden it's down to, you know, 25 miles, 20 miles, 15 miles, 10 miles. We don't know the day or the hour, but we are coming in to the glorious kingdom of God. And the transition happens. And, and God has left, you know, it's kind of a mystery uh, but we've been in the church age from Pentecost until now. This is the church age. But there's coming a time of transition where what, what overtakes the church age is the kingdom age. The king is coming. And he is coming back in power and in glory. 
to rule and to reign. Amen? So I, I haven't even started preaching him and all fired up. So anyway, let's, uh, Mark, Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. It says, and Jesus said to them, assuredly I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. This is an astounding statement. And it is now going to be followed by an astounding revelation. <laughs> For the first time in Jesus' life and ministry, he is about to take three of his intimate group of disciples, Peter, James, and John, and say, hey guys, come with me. I'm gonna invite you into my private time with my father. But we need to go up to the top of this mountain. And as Jesus goes up to that mountain and enters into what I believe was his daily rhythm, uh, his daily routine of conversing with the father, something supernatural happened that we know of and we call and describe the transfiguration. And I wanna just begin with the application because we're gonna talk about, go through the story of Jesus' transfiguration. Uh, but as I mentioned here in your notes, the heart of our Father, for those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ, your heavenly Father, <laughs> this is so awesome and amazing, God, the creator of the universe, is our Father? Do you ever think about that and just go, you know, really? The, the God of all creation is my dad, he's my Father, my, my heavenly Father, my Abba, that we have that ability to call him Abba, which is a Hebrew word for daddy. It's amazing. The Father's heart is to transform every single one of us, not just the most spiritual or the most whatever. He, his desire is to transform you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the heart of our Father. And this word that we will come to called transfigured describes a change on the outside but that comes from the inside. Let me say that again. The word transfigured describes a change that is visible or that is manifest in some way outwardly, but that comes from within. Now the world has the opposite of that. The world has uh, what you might call a, a mask or a masquerade, which is an outward, they're changing things on the outside but the changes that the world offers, all the changes you can make on the outside in the world, leave you unchanged on the inside. And that's the real tragedy of it. Um, so Jesus now will allow the glory that is within him uh, to radiate through his whole being. And he will transform this mountaintop into a holy of holies. Jesus himself will begin radiating the glory of the Holy of Holies. And so we learn that wherever he is, the Holy of Holies dwells. And now let me just share this with you. If you've ever prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, that very same glory has now come to reside within you. It will not leave you the same. It will not, he will not leave you unchanged, but he is at work uh, within you, transforming us. And, and his desire, the, the most incredible prayer, you know, we, we talk about the Lord's Prayer 
If I said, okay, what's the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven. Uh, but I read once in a, uh, one commentary, it said, you know, really, that's kind of our prayer. That's the church's prayer. The real Lord's Prayer is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed an amazing prayer. If you've never read John 17 or haven't read it lately and thought about, wow, this is the Lord's Prayer. The night before he went to the cross, read through sometime before this weekend, John 17. I put just a couple of verses from the Lord's Prayer in your notes. I'd like to read those out loud together because this is incredible. Let's read it out loud. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The glory, Father, that you gave me, I have given them. Oh man, that's awesome. So here's what I wanna say. If you have ever gotten the idea from me or a pastor or a priest or something that what it means to be a Christian is to go out and try as hard as you can to be like Jesus, that's, that's not the good news. That's not really the gospel. In other words, as I say here, Jesus came more than to be merely an example of a superabundant life. He did become an example, but the gospel is way more than that. He's not only an example of a super abundant life, he says, I wanna personally come inside of you and I wanna let my glory burn through you, transform you, same word, transfigure you, and conform you into the image, being conformed to the image of Christ himself. He wants to live in you, through you, that will not leave you the same, so that you and I one day will come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. We'll all, with our own unique little personalities, we'll still be us, but we will come to full maturity, burning and shining with the very same glory. That's what Jesus is saying. How many find that amazing? It's awesome. Now look, if you're gonna clap, don't pretend. You gotta go for it. I get excited about it. I, now, you know, I'm not trying to work you up, but you know, I, I'm just giving you permission. Look, you know, there can be extremes of, you know, just emotionalism for emotion's sake. And, and I, I, there's some of us always, that, whoa, I've been to where it's just, you know, why, you know, but no substance there. But on the other hand, you can get so serious and so sober-minded and you just squeeze all the, the, the life out of the thing. And the, so look, the reason that we have emotions is we're made in the image of God. So I'm just giving you, and let's say we're, we're practicing and experimenting. Now for some of you, rather than thinking it will be, okay, go Pastor Ray. That'll be as far as it gets. And others of you go, you're right on, you know, or something. So anyway. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. It's such a blessing to hear from our radio listeners who found biblical help and hope through this ministry. Dear Ray Bentley, I was at a very low time in my life, a time when I was starting to question the existence of God. I felt as if God was nowhere in my time of need. I received one of your radio offers about discouragement. 
It opened my eyes and showed me that God was everywhere. In fact, I see now that God allowed me to endure this time of pain to strengthen my love and commitment toward Him. It's funny how God works sometimes. Right when you think He's nowhere to be found, there He is. How have these studies in God's Word had an impact on your life or impacted your family? Would you drop Pastor Ray an email and let him know? Write ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. It would be such an encouragement to hear from you today. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now here's what's amazing. In, in the previous chapter, in Mark chapter 8, now Jesus is saying, uh, guys, to follow me, then it means you've got to pick up your cross. You've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. So there weren't chapters and verses when, when Matthew originally wrote this. It was a scroll. There were no... The, so the chapters like chapter nine and the verses one, two, and three, those aren't like inspired from the Holy Spirit necessarily, but the words are. So sometimes we, we block our minds out and we lose the flow. Well, I wanna put the, the two stories together because Jesus is modeling for us what he wants to come and do inside us and through us. And what he's saying is that suffering will come before the glory explodes through you. And he's gonna live that and model that. He's headed toward Jerusalem. He's gonna be crucified, but he's also gonna be glorified in the resurrection. And now he's gonna let them in on that glory that resides within him. Because it's gonna be the cross and the brokenness that lets the light shine through uh, his sacrifice and his love. So back to verse one. Let's look at this verse by verse. And he said to them, assuredly I say to you that there are some standing here, he's talking to his disciples, who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now, it's clear he's talking to the disciples that are right there. Now, this has presented a problem for a lot of uh, commentators because what he seems to be saying is they, the disciples who were right there with him, are going to see the coming of the kingdom while they're still living. And so people go, wait a second, we know the whole story. Jesus goes to Jerusalem, he gets crucified. Yes, he's buried and resurrected, and then he goes up to heaven. So what does this mean that the kingdom is going to come? And so that's what this story is going to tell us. So let's follow along verses two and three. It says, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And then Elijah appeared uh, to them with Moses. Now we'll, we'll stop there for just a moment. So they're having this on this one day, Jesus is describing to them, some of you are going to see the kingdom of God come before you die. And then after that day, six more days. So six plus one equals seven. Seven is a number of completion. So on the seventh day, we believe this promise of the revealed kingdom of God took place. They go up to a high mountain. Now there are some that would say there's a mountain in Israel, it's called Mount Tabor. Some believe that it's Mount Tabor. But um, there are others who say, you know, that just the, the latest thing that happened where Jesus was uh, giving the disciples, you know, who do you say that I am? 
and kind of training them about now to be a disciple, you must you know, carry your cross, was in a place called Caesarea Philippi. You remember that? And he said, who do you say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. That happened in Caesarea Philippi. And then right after that revelation where Peter confesses, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, wow, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father is in heaven. He has revealed it to you. You are Peter, a little rock, a stone, a little stone, but on this rock, a Petra, your confession, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Caesarea Philippi is, is in the foothills of another mountain that is the biggest mountain in Israel called Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is over 9,000 feet high, 9,200 feet somewhere in there high. So therefore we believe that from Caesarea Philippi, they're already at this really huge mountain. Jesus says to three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, you guys come with me. And they go all the way up over 9,000 feet to the top of the mountain. And there the Lord begins to be transfigured before them. Now, I wanna give a word of encouragement to you. The whole word of God from Genesis to Revelation, I, I wanna encourage you to read the Bible and the word of God daily because this word is alive. Every word of God from Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and all the way to the very last verse of the book of Revelation. Sometimes we, we think that the, the word of God is about what God said in the ancient past, what God did in, to you know, prophets and apostles long ago, and they're nice lessons so we can learn some principles and patterns for today. And yes, that is true. They are stories, they are illustrations, there are patterns and there are things that we can learn, but it's more than that. Anything that God has said never dies or goes away. Every word in the Bible is alive. Therefore, everything that God has ever said is living tonight. If I could give you a picture, it's like if, if every word of God around you, you know, your mind as you're reading the word, you are surrounded with the word of God and every word from Genesis to Revelation is there available to you for your mind as you read it and meditate upon it and pray upon it. And any given day, you can take any word of God and you can grab hold of that golden, glorious, powerful, living, burning word. And it's, it's for you now. It lives now. It's food now. It's strength now. Amen? Wow. There, there you are. So when we receive the word of God as personal to us from the Lord, that is when transformation comes. In other words, every story, every illustration is a word for us now. For instance, you're reading the story of Gideon. Gideon's, this guy is hiding, he's in a cave. Uh, the enemies of Israel are out there, you know, pushing them around. And this angel, this this gigantic angel comes up to this cowering Gideon, you know, who, who's like a little Barney Fife hiding in the, in the caves. Anyway, he's standing there cowering like this. And the angel goes, imagine the angel like in awe of being in the presence of Gideon. Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Woo! And Gideon's looking around, where? <laughs> he goes, you, 
And Gideon's like, me? You, O thou mighty man of valor. And the story goes on. And then you read how Gideon went when God gave him the command and what he did, and he ends up, you know, he's going against tremendous odds, tens of thousands, whatever. And, and he starts with, you know, uh, this many, and he ends up with how many? 300. He ends up with 300 to go to battle. They're outnumbered. And to give him strength, this is what the, the Lord tells him, go in the strength you have, which wasn't a lot. It wasn't very much. So let's say you're doing a Bible study, you're reading, oh, Gideon, wow, that's really cool. Okay, great principles and, and really cool. But here's where the word of God ignites and turns into fire and flame and burns. You yourself living today in modern times or in a situation, you're overwhelmed, you're outnumbered, you're outgunned, you, you don't have the resource. And the word of God comes alive and says, oh, thou mighty man of God. And you sit there saying, I'm just having a Bible study, right? You know, reading a few little principles. What are you talking about? And the Lord's saying, you, you are a mighty, you are my mighty man. You are my Gideon. Lord, what do, what do you want me to do? Just go in the strength that you have. It was when Gideon, it wasn't like he felt like Superman uh, and then went out. He was still fearful, nervous. He had never done it before. He said, okay, here we go. I'm trusting in the Lord. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they went out with their pitchers and their lamps and flames and, and, and their uh, trumpets. And then when he saw what God did, then Gideon rose up powerfully and he entered into the destiny and the anointing and the calling that God had for him. But in the beginning, he just went with the strength that he had. So do you see what I'm saying? You can, that, that's a word, it's not just for Gideon. God told the story of Gideon because he knew he'd have millions of Gideons in the generations to come. And he says over and over, and he can say it here, and he can say it now, and he can say it tonight. Oh, thou mighty woman of valor. You are my chosen vessel. Go in the strength you have. I'll do all the rest and do great and mighty things. So take the word of God and let it be personal. Now here we're reading about Jesus, transformation. And this is what the Lord wants to do in our lives. The Greek word is metamorphosis. This was a supernatural transformation before their very eyes, Peter, James, and John. We read that Jesus' face, and so we enter into the story, we're on the top of this 9,000 foot mountain, and we are looking at Peter, James, and John. You can see their faces as they're staring at Jesus, who looks just like a man, and all of a sudden, you see something changing in his face, and it begins, is that light? Is that fire? Is it burning? Oh my goodness, this is more than just a vision. It becomes reality. It looks like a star. Now it looks like the sun. And his face is just beaming as if at the center of the entire universe. And then you look at his clothes and they go from white to lightning with fire and with glory. And all of a sudden, now you're entering into the whole experience. You are seeing that. That's what was happening. The manifestation of the Shekinah glory of God burning and shining through Jesus Christ. What a sight that was. Pastor Ray Bentley with insights today on the Transfiguration. And there's more to come from this message here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled Transfiguration. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com.
We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you get there, under Media, you'll notice three words, Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his latest book called The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.